Are you here? Yes, you are. Thank you for joining us on episode number 899 of the Paul Leslie Hour. I'm your announcer, and I'm pleased to be welcoming you to the show. Let me ask you this. You know anyone who's had a stroke? Yeah, yeah, it's kind of an unusual question to ask on this show, right? Well, maybe, maybe even you have had a stroke. You know, each year, almost 800,000 Americans and more than 12 million people around the world have a stroke. And one of them is Paul T. Leslie. Paul is a returning guest, and a really special one, too. You see, Paul T. Leslie is your host, Paul Leslie's dad. Uh Uh-huh. But that's not all. You see, this is one of the most personal interviews Paul has ever done. Paul T. Leslie suffered a stroke just recently. Then after more than a month in the hospital, Paul T. Leslie finally returned home. Thanks be to God. What you're about to hear is a very intimate conversation about the entire experience. It's an impassioned episode. We hope it gives you some food for thought. You know, there's a vast selection of interviews, some just like this one, from the Paul Leslie Hour, and we make it all available to you freely. So you want to keep up with this freely exclusive content? It's really simple. Subscribe to the Paul Leslie YouTube channel and be sure to ring the bell. Ding, ding. Well, I think we all want to go to that interview now. What do you say? What if you could apply something you learn here to make your life better? Hmm? So, let's listen together. Hey, Dad. Hey, Paul. Hey, how are you? I'm doing all right. That's good. Just laying around hundred blankets. <laughs> <laughs> well, I don't know why, but I get cold easy. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's uh, it's hot as blazes here. Yeah, about there. It's uh, mid eighties, <laughs> like eighty four, eighty five, something like that. I think it is. But still cold. Yeah, uh, I me, mean, yeah. <laughs> Haven't you always been someone who prefers it a little bit cooler? Oh yeah, yeah. I like cold weather better than heat. How was your walk with your poochie? Oh, good. She's uh, she started a, a kind of a, a bratty behavior. Oh, lately. Uh huh. If there's, for example, if it's the end of the walk and she's uh-huh. does she's not ready to go back. Uh huh. She does a, a really defiant thing. She will look you in. You know, she will look at you, stare at you, and sit down. Uh huh. And it's and like. And- and then sits down, is that what you said? Yeah, she she puts on the brakes. Oh, my word. <laughs> she puts on the brakes. And then, uh, how about that? You know, what I started doing is sometimes I would just pick her up. Uh-huh. And, 
now she does this thing when when she does that where she it's like she starts you know she sits down and then she sees it i'm going to try to pick her up and she starts to run uh-huh. oh my word <laughs> got a little game going on there yeah exactly yeah yeah so something like a a stroke it's yeah. nobody can ever predict these kinds of physical or health interruptions because they are yeah. interruptions yeah 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 i have you know i mean no idea except for i struggled two nights with headaches but you have headaches, but that doesn't mean you're going to get a stroke. So, you know, it's a, a complete surprise for me. You know, other than that, you know, I'm going about every day doing the same thing. No indications of any kind of major ill health or, you know, any major trauma or anything. Right. And then, you know, boom, out of, out of nowhere, all of a sudden, you know, you got a blood vessel to rupture. Now, they need to do, on me, more study to find out what's involved with that. Mm-hmm. They want to do, like, another what do you call, uh, MRI and, or CAT scan to examine, like, underneath the area where it bled to see if there's anything there, you know, mm-hmm. if they can tell what may have caused the, you know, the rupture. Right. Yeah. And uh, one thing I learned is that people who have had kidney ca- kidney cancer, as I have, have a heightened chance of having what I experienced. Right. Because, you, you know, with the kidney, you get cancer cells there. They're in the bloodstream. They go all over. Oh. Huh. Yeah. So people with kidney cancer are at heightened risk of stroke right yeah so that's something you know for more investigation for me i know that he's enjoying that squeak toy (laughs) he loves it (laughs) he goes crazy with it he just loves it (laughs) tell me what what you were thinking the moment you realized or they you were told yes you you had a stroke I can't tell you, like, at the moment, mm-hmm. because I was pretty much out of it, Paul. Like, I could hear things, and I could respond to people. Some responses I could, others I couldn't. Now, some of it I don't know about. They said, for example, that one of the doctors was, like, rubbing my left leg, and, you know, do you feel that? And I didn't feel anything, you know. So I wasn't totally aware of what was going on. It was like I knew, for example, you know, that, that I think I heard the word and, I, and that registered that I was having a stroke and kind of like aware of voices saying, you got to go to intensive care or something like that, you know, and being put on the ambulance and taken to Northeast Georgia I was semi-aware of those things, and then, like, when we got to the hospital, you know, they took me in for a CAT scan and later an MRI, and I was aware of going through them, 
but uh, you know the best thing I can say is like semi aware I wasn't really deeply comprehending everything you know like I could respond to some people who told me you know like they said you know what's your name and things like that and I responded to people but not totally aware yet you know yeah yeah what's been the scariest thing about this whole experience One of the scariest is, like, afterwards, you know, like, a couple days down down the road, I don't know how far, but, like, just for me, to realize that you had a stroke, and, like, for me, the coincidences, or the similarities is a better word, with my dad, your grandfather, he was on blood thinners, different one than I was taking, but I had... You know, my knee surgery. Right. And to prevent clotting, they put you on a drug called Eliquis, which is a blood thinner, so you don't clot up. So, Grandpa had a stroke and was on blood thinners and bled out. They couldn't stop the bleeding. Hmm. You know, and it was so much pressure in his head that, you know, basically, I guess... you know, overcame his brain, you know, and then he di- he died. So for me, I'm you know, just thinking about, here's my dad had a stroke, his own blood thinners, and, you know, like his stroke and my stroke were the same. You, you know, you have, you know, bleed, bleeding in your brain, you know. So that's a little eerie. <laughs> think about you know yeah of course yeah and then his sister as well yeah he had a sister sister that had a stroke yeah yeah i don't think it's a congenital thing though no uh no and then you know just for me like laying in the hospital bed you know you don't realize you know how far you know are the damages going to be, you know, are they going to continue, et cetera? Because at one point early on, I felt to myself, well, I'm having a stroke, but, you know, I, 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 in a sense, I didn't really say this, but, like, well, this ain't that bad. <laughs> mm-hmm. I mean, yeah. I knew it was bad, but I also knew I could, you know, a lot of people with stroke, you know, or like Grandpa died from it, some there's, they can't talk. Right. Some people become partially paralyzed in parts of their body. Sometimes their face droops. You know, so the the damage that stroke can cause is, you know, there are multiple effects, and you know, some of them pretty severe. Mm-hmm. So for me, you know, like a because I know that's the ex- experience of you know all kind of people who've had stroke. You know, just wondering how far it's going to go. What's what am I going to deal with here? You know, right? The wondering. Yeah, yeah, because you don't know, and there's some that I still don't know. You know, the when you have the bleeding in your brain, Paul, the blood damages your brain. You have blood cells. I mean, brain cells that actually die off. And now I know, in some ways, I can feel the effects. In, in certain ways, like my eyesight isn't what it used to be. And I have not only 
it's not just your vision, but it's what I perceive of the world, like the world, and this is, you know, very, very difficult to explain, but the world has changed for my perception of it. Wow. Yeah. Uh, it's uh, like, a, uh, you know, like Bizarro World or Alternate Universe or something. I, it's, you know, I can't really paint a picture of it with words, but it's just my world has changed as I see it through my eyes. And that's one thing that bothers me a great deal. Hmm. Now, you know, I've had lots of therapy in the hospital, and I'm continuing it over at St. Mary's. Like today, I had two th two therapy sessions. And so with that, though, I know I'm making progress. Right. And I know that with stroke, too, you know, and everybody's different, but there is the possibility of recovery. And, again, with individuals, you know, that varies how far you can over, uh, recover, et cetera. And there's a great span of time that can be, you know, some people have uh, a quick, you know, response. I think I have had quick response in some ways, uh, but, you know, it can go on for more than a year, your, you know, improvements, you know, so... You know, from time to time, you'll see something on television or there'll be a radio PSA, public service announcement, and they'll say something about warning signs or uh -huh. whatever. Having gone yeah. through this experience, is there anything that you would say to people out there as a warning or advice? Well, I guess as a warning, you know, like the uh, a critical need is if someone is suffering a stroke is to get help as soon, as soon as possible. And so, you know, different organizations regularly broadcast the warning signs or the, you know, of symptoms or whatever you want to call it, of a person having a stroke. Now, like for me, I had the headaches. And like if you know someone who's having like severe headaches or their speech becomes slurred or you see their face droop or, you know, other other kinds of things, you know, get them to the hospital as soon as possible. Yeah. Yeah. It almost rhymes. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Yeah, now like with me, I can't remember now. Ellen knew that I was in 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 distress. Now like I had told her, about not being able to sleep and having severe headaches. And then I went out and cut the grass. Huh. And when I came in, like, she said something to me about, you know, I'm going to call the ambulance. And I said, no, I'm not going anywhere. And she said, well, we, uh, you get in a truck, I'll take you to the hospital. And I relented. You know, so, you know, I got to the hospital, and and I don't know the time frame but they, you know, how fast they administered the drugs and what all they did to me because I was just uh, on a stretcher, you know, <laughs> going for a ride, you know. Right. But early on, though, they started giving me a drug that helped the brain to absorb the blood. So, you know, you get rid of that pressure in your brain. And... 
some people they'll be surgery surgery and they put a a drain in your head to let the blood drain out so right you know so quick action is imperative because the longer you have that pressure and increasing pressure like i said it's you know killing your brain you know so right yeah what has been the hardest thing about this whole ordeal? Uh, well, the hard thing is simply like maybe dealing with the unknown. You know, I, I know that I'm getting better. I don't know it's possible to, to get better. But yet, say, for example, in all that I've gone through, I have a lot of questions about, okay, not only my past, but my future, and spending a month in the hospital and successfully undergoing therapy enough to the point where the hospital discharged me. But, Paul, would you believe that not one doctor has sat down and talked to me? Hmm, wow. And even with discharging me, to me, I would think that a doctor, before they discharge you, is going to have a talk with you, <laughs> you know, like, uh, you know, how you doing or whatever, you know, how you feeling, have some kind of a an, an exit interview, you know, for lack of a better term, and uh, explain to the patient what happened to you, this is what your future may be, you know, this is what my recommendations are, nothing, I have not yet talked to a doctor. Now, I have scheduled, you know, because Ellen has been a great help to me in that she has managed all of my, like, she takes, not only does she take me to my appointments, like today for therapy, but she has done the scheduling, et cetera, you know. And we went and saw Dr. Gay last week, and he, you know, I told him that, you know, there are things that I have questions about. For example, I know because people saw it, they saw either my CAT scan or the MRI, I don't know which, that showed, you know, the blood, you know, the, the pictures of the blood in my brain, you know. And, I, and everybody talks about now that, you know, this much time is behind me and they, then, you know, you want to take, a, like, another cat, CAT scan or MRI to see, okay, what it was then, what is it now. And so for me, I desperately want that to happen and to sit down with a doctor who can explain, you know, this is where you were, this is now, and then to tell me a little bit about my future, you know. So we got an appointment. Dr. Gay gave us a referral to a neurologist in Athens. So we're just waiting on that appointment to be made. And I'm going to be anxious to do that. You know, that'd be my first opportunity to sit down and talk with the doctor. Yeah. Yeah. Of course, it's good just to have your curiosities and also get guidance. Yeah. 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 And one thing with stroke victims, you're susceptible to another one. So that I gotta find out, you know? <laughs> Absolutely. As much as, as much as possible. 
and I know, you know, the, doc, the doctor's going to tell you what your future is, and they don't know, you know. But, you know, but I have curiosities about it as much as possible. Right. Yeah. Sometimes something tragic or something totally unexpected happens, and then uh -huh. there's sometimes a strange blessing or there's something, a new perspective that's gained. Has yeah. there been anything like that for you? Number of them, Paul. The hospital that I was in, Northeast Georgia Hospital, was an ordeal. In fact, parts of it were torture. Yeah. The beds were so bad. Like, I give you a mat. Well, it's not, it doesn't deserve to be called a mattress. At best, you could call it a mat. And this is honest, Paul. I have laid down on wrestling mats that are more comfortable than what they have as a bed. <laughs> so for a month in the hospital, I would not use every finger in one hand to count the number of restful nights mm. that I had. When you're... Everybody has experienced a bad night when you can't sleep or, you know, whatever. And it gets to be very distressing and very uncomfortable. But when you add to that pain and discomfort from laying on in inadequate bedding, it becomes almost like a torture. Night after night of sleeplessness and discomfort, you know, and the food was horrible. I lost 33 pounds. So, <laughs> you know? Yeah. And there were other issues about the hospital stay that were very distressing. You know, like one that I was talking about. The doctor even talked to me. They would come in my room. I got a bill. And there's entry after entry after entry of a doctor coming into my room and then charging me. You know, like I forget how much each one, you know, I got to pay every time they poke her in the door. And it irritates me that none of those doctors ever talk to me, but they're going to bill me for it, you know. Right. And I, I, and that I feel taken advantage of, you know, like they're padding the bill. Yeah. Is how I feel about it. Now, saying all those things, I want to say, though, that the therapists that I had and the nurses and staff like that in the hospital, I had nothing but high praise for them. They were wonderful people, and, and I appreciated every one of them. Not so much the hospital, and you know, if I want to call it the administration, I'll, I'll call it that. The way they run the hospital, it just sucked. And matter of fact, <laughs> you would not get me back in that hospital unless I was in a car wreck. They scraped me off uh, the street throw me in an ambulance and take me there. That's the only way I would ever set foot in that hospital again. Well, But I told one of, you know, and I shared all of this with the staff in the hospital, like the therapists and other people, and, you know, like the bed, you know, like, and I didn't have any, they had a bed pole for me. I didn't even fit in it. I was so jammed in it, my feet were pressed up against a cold metal bar across the bottom, so much so that my toes were curled back. You know? 
you know, I'd have a, you know, somebody come in like a charge nurse or something like that. And I'd say, look at me. What do you see? They said, you don't fit. <laughs> Duh. Right. <laughs> and yet, you know, for a month, you want me to sleep. Sleep is important to having good health and healing, you know? Yeah. Not, not a routine torture evening event, you know? <laughs> but I told a couple of the, well, at least one, but I've said it before, but one of, one of the therapists I, I really liked, I said, you know, in spite of all of this negative stuff, uh, like I told you earlier, Paul, about what it meant to me to have, like Ellen and my sister Sharon come, you kids, et cetera, right? What it all meant for those visits, how it strengthened me, encouraged me, gave me hope. You know, Paul, I've been through a lot of hard things in my life, none as hard as this. You know, when, you know, you face such serious issues, but when you have your family stand with you in the middle of it, yeah, that's a blessing. And so that's what I told the nurses. I said, in the middle of this hard event, there's good that came out of it. And uh, I feel like I've been blessed. It's intangibles, the way I feel, I, and it's hard to express. But uh, my feelings for all of you is incredibly deeper. Mm. My love is deeper. My appreciation. So that's the good that came out of it, Paul. Yeah. Yeah. Don't know for how long. How long am I going to live? But right now, I'm thankful for it, for what I have, you know? Yeah. You know, I just appreciate and value and thank, thankful for what I've experienced through it. I'm, I'm not thankful for the stroke. Right. <laughs> but in the midst of it, for all that, uh, you know, I was talking with Ellen the other day. I I forget things. I don't, my memory has taken a hit, you know. But I was talking about, like, you know, have, having visits from different people. And so I don't remember everything from all, all of my visits. But I told Ellen, I said, yeah, I remember Paulie. I remember kissing him <laughs> in this in that in a face full of whiskers. <laughs> so, you know, yeah. in some ways, it's kind of interesting, I guess, because right now, life has never been more challenging, more difficult. Yet, uh -huh. you're saying words like blessing. Yeah, yeah. That's interesting. I'll tell you this, Paul. In a lot of ways in my life, I have made so many failures. Hmm. From God, I don't deserve anything. You know, I've betrayed God, you know. But he spared me. Yeah. Mm -hmm. He blessed me with you, your sisters, with Ellen. They're blessings to me, Paul. I don't deserve any of it. But, Dad, that's that's the nature of a blessing. I mean, it is. 
we <laughs> it's uh, this this grace is something we all don't deserve but we get no. yeah 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 you know yeah. hold on let me just see that oh okay all right I don't want to tell me dinner ready. <laughs> okay, just yeah. a few more minutes. Sure, Polk. I wanna, I wanna kind of get your thoughts. Something that's been going through my head lately, uh-huh. especially last night. I was thinking about the nature of communion, and I'm not talking about the communion of of bread and wine or bread and right, you know, right. communion coming together. Yeah. How valuable is that? When you're going through something like this, indescribable. I'm going to make a comparison, and in a sense, it's not a good comparison, Paul. But at its core, it is. Now you've never served in the military, right? So you haven't experienced what a lot of guys in the service talk about. But you heard, you know, the famous television series, A Band of Brothers, right? Yeah. There's a bond that's formed because guys not necessarily knew each other until they were in the service, went through the hardest thing they'll ever experience together. Hmm. And they they supported each other, right? Yeah. In the midst, in the midst of hardship. So for me, you know, it obviously breaks down. No one is shooting at me, you know. But with all the unknowns of having a stroke and, and knowing, you know, like I know what strokes do to people. You know, I haven't realized it all myself. But yet, day after day, week after week, you know, people coming up to stand with people. So you understand the comparison of makeup, Paul? I do, yeah. Yeah. And people who are with you, you know, supporting you, you know, there's nothing like it. Yeah. What goes through your head as you start to look around the room or you're hearing, you're seeing uh-huh. and hearing familiar people? Uh-huh. What, what was that like? Uh, well, see, part of it, Paul, is... I told you about like my vision and I can't explain it all and how I see reality. So as I look at that, it, and it's one of the hardest things that I'm dealing with now is because there's a, in a sense, my re, my perception of reality has, has changed and me in the world. I know that I've changed because my perception of reality is what's coming through my brain. You know? Yeah. So that's one of the hardest things that I'm dealing with right now, either just on an intellectual or emotional level. Is it true that there was a, a time during your hospital stay that you sang? I think so. I don't, I don't know who was there or who heard it, but it, I did. I was talking, I think, with a nurse or one of my you know, therapists. And I remember this song. We were also talking about the modern church and what is lost by way of worship. Mm-hmm. And I started singing a song. 
there always been lots of bees, more so in the past. But I think I don't know what prompted me to do that, but uh, nothing but the blood. Yeah. You know the song, Paul? Oh, yeah. It goes back to the 1800s. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, precious is the flow. <laughs> Wash me white as snow. Nothing but the blood of Jesus. Yeah. yeah. It's just amazing. Well, Dad, I, I'm I'm so glad that you allowed me to ask these things. For sure, Paul. Yeah. Glad to talk to you about them. Yeah, yeah. 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 And uh, I know you got to eat dinner, but... Yeah. Thank you so much. I love you so much. And I'm proud of you, Paul. I'm proud of you. I love you, Dad. Okay. All right. Oh, tell Coco one more time, thanks for the pineapple. I'm still enjoying it. <laughs> it was it was really a good one. <laughs> I've had it by itself. I've had it with cottage cheese, you know. It's, it's good. You know, I was talking to a nutritionist here. In uh, uh, in Charleston, and she was really fascinated by the fact that you wanted to eat pineapple. Oh yeah, I love fruit. And she was really encouraging on pineapple, uh huh, and ginger, and watermelon. Uh, well, watermelon I would eat. It'd be hard to find that this time of year. Well, we uh, got, we got a good one I, here, and I can't imagine just chopping on some ginger. <laughs> well, just adding a little, you know. Yeah. But, I like ginger, you know, like, of course, a lot of Asian food has that in it. I've never had any Asian food I did not like. I don't care what country it's from. There's one other thing I wanted to tell you before you go. All right. There's a a pretty prominent person, and he wanted to to send his best wishes to you. Uh Uh-huh. He's had quite a life and quite a career. His name is Dick Carlson, and more people out there know his son, a famous broadcaster named Tucker Carlson. Oh yeah, he's one of my he's one of my heroes. Well, his father was sending his best wishes to you. Well, I appreciate that. Yeah, I appreciate that. (laughs) Yeah. All right, Dad. Love you much. I love you too, Paul. All right, have a good evening, and I'll see you soon. All right, we'll see you now. Bye-bye. All right, bye-bye. Thank you for stopping by today. If you enjoyed our program, consider telling a friend about it. The Paul Leslie Hour is made possible through people just like you. So you want to keep the show going, right? Go to thepaulleslie.com. That's thepaulleslie.com. Click on Support the Show. And thanks to everyone who contributes. Performance of the intro music is courtesy of John Primerano, the entertainer, written by Scott Joplin. End credit theme music is courtesy of John Primerano, the traditional song, Corina, Corina. Your announcer is Dan Gold. Hey, that's me. The show is hosted and produced by Paul Leslie. 
and we'll see you next time on the Paul Leslie Hour.